right. Well, tonight I want to talk about, uh, I got a title if you're taking notes. I want to talk about the God kind of love. The God kind of love. You know, the world we live in, we have this tendency to use that word very loosely. Uh, You know, I, I love my spouse, but on the other hand, I love a good double bacon cheeseburger barbecue with onion rings on top and maybe a uh, Oreo shake on the side. So we, c- we can use that word quite loosely uh, in our English language. We love a lot of stuff. We love our dog. We love, I- I'm quite fond of this drink right now. Uh, oh, that's good stuff. NOS Turbo, highly recommend it. Uh, <laughs> But it is so hard for us to grasp the gravity of that word love because it's used so loosely, so casually. Oh, love you, man. Love you, brother. You know, and we're we just so loose and so casual with it. We don't really understand the weight of it. And so tonight I want to really just sort of dive in. And, like, th- this is probably going to be multiple um, services because we can just barely scratch the surface on this subject um, but we're going to at least get started tonight um, the new testament has four greek words uh, for love uh, and i'm just going to s- touch these real quick the word eros which means uh, that's a relationship between a husband and a wife and then we have phileo which is uh, friendship you know your your best bud and then we got storga which is uh, for family love, love for your your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad. And then what we're going to get into tonight is the agape, the God's supernatural love. You know, God doesn't just have the characteristic of love. It's not just, you know, part of, um, you know, his attitude towards things and towards people. Love is the very core essence of his being. Uh, First John talks about that God is love and love is God. They are synonymous with one another. So it's not just a characteristic. It is who God is. God is love. And so as we get into it tonight, looking at the the greatest love, the God kind of love. And I I just want to preface it with this. Out of all of those loves, the agape love is the only one that is truly supernatural. Because anyone in the world can love their family member. But bottom line, the lo- this natural human love is selfish. But the love of God is, is, is all about other people. It's unconditional. It's unfailing. You know, people's opinions and their attitudes towards us can shift and change on a dime. But the love of God is relentless. It does not change. Uh, It's not based on our performance or our behavior. You know, if we put on our best behavior today, then God's love's on a a high note. But if we're having an off day, he's like, "Ah, I'm not so fond of you today. That's not God's love. God's love is so much deeper, higher, wider. Uh, It's got such a greater capacity uh, to love mankind. The love of God is, is ultimately about sacrifice. And, and it was, you know, ultimately Jesus laying his life down on the cross. Um, so it's a supernatural um, God kind of love. Uh, in Matthew 24, verse 12, in the NLT, this, 
this is this verse is kind of a, a sobering uh, thought, but it's so true to where we live today. It says sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. You know, I really believe this scripture is a prophetic scripture into the day and age in which we live in right now. The love of many is growing cold. People are growing hard in their hearts, and it only is the love of God that will break that calloused heart and that hard exterior that people put on. It is the love of God that will break that. And it actually, Starlene, Pastor Starlene had said this recently, and I, I believe it to be true. It is the love of God that is going to open the floodgates of heaven when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit being manifested at a greater measure. Because it, it, it's, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but uh, it is God's love that needs to be the driving force and the catalyst behind why we do what we do. Why we serve God, why we do ministry. See, God is more interested in the condition of our heart than even he is our own actions. We look at King David and we look at his track record and think, man, this guy was, man, he blew up more than once. But yet he's the only guy listed in scripture as a man after God's own heart. Now we all know that there were many others, but that just happens to be one. And I think that's a good example of the fact that it's not based on our performance, but it's based upon the heart behind it. And how many know that, that if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would I be today? If it wasn't for the love and the mercy and the compassion of God, we would all be in a world of hurt. I got a couple of uh, quotes here that are really good by uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, it is only the love of God or it says the love, love of God is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. The love of God is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And then just one other one I thought went really well with it. Dr. King says here, he says, I've decided to stick with the love of God. Hate is too great a burden to bear. It is too great a burden to bear. I tell you what, we need to do ourselves a favor and let people go free. You are doing yourself a favor when you forgive. You are doing yourself a favor when you let go of offenses. That's why the enemy is working overtime to get the love of God out of the equation and get people over into bitterness, resentment, offense, because he knows it's where the the, that the power of God lies within the love of God. And if he can get us out of love, then we're opening the door to fear and all of the tactics of the enemy, and he can run roughshod right over the top of us. Romans 5.5 5 in the NLT, it says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So he's not just asking us to love and not giving and not furnishing that love to uh, dispense to those around us. God is a just God. He's a fair God, and he will never ask us to do anything that he doesn't give us the spiritual equipment to accomplish. Are you guys hearing me? So the Holy Ghost is on the inside of us, and that love has been shed abroad in our hearts. <clears throat> so... The, the, the factor here is, is that love is in us. 
Now it's our responsibility. See, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's something that we got to lay hold of. It's something that we got to stir up on the inside of us. You know, this this God kind of love, um, you know, is such a, such a big subject, as I was saying. Um, and we're just going to get warmed up tonight. But I just want to look at the words of Jesus and just see where God takes us tonight. So in Matthew chapter 22, we're going to look at verses 36 through 40. I'm reading out of the NLT. I think uh, we might have it uh, up on the screen. Uh, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This is coming from the lips of Jesus uh, as the uh, Pharisees are asking him a question here. It says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your, heart, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now get this, the lo- entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based or they hang on these two commandments. You know, if you think about it, guys, that really kind of simplifies things. <laughs> you know, when you look at the law of Moses, thank God that, that we're under the dispensation of grace now. We're looking at things on the other side of the cross. This is a new covenant based on better promises. Jesus paid the price for us. But when we look at the, with the royal law of love, they call it, if you were to take those two commandments and even apply them to the old Ten Commandments, you know, if, if, if you love your brother, are you going to murder him? If, 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 you know, are you going to steal from someone if you have love for them? You know, bottom line, if we obey these two commandments, it will curb all of the other commandments that was given to try to dispel sin. So Jesus is simplifying things and saying, hey, guys, I've furnished you with my love. Stir it up on the inside and you will obey. You will fulfill all the law and the prophets through the love that I have put on the inside of you. Now, how do we stir this up? That's a good question, because you you say, you know what, I'm not feeling it. You know what, that person really ticked me off. You know, my, my flesh is really getting agitated. And I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm so sick and tired. It, it's so funny, Peter, talking. Lord, how many times do I got to forgive this idiot? I, I, I'm, I'm up to beyond my eyeballs with what's going on here. And he's saying 70, I think it was uh, Mr. Beardsley talking about that at Bible Bacon and Bros and doing the math, 70 times 7. Basically, he's saying you, you just keep forgiving. You just keep letting him go because that is where the freedom lies for you. And if it sounds like bad news right now, stick with it. Stick with the word because it is for your benefit. It is for your freedom. Your freedom lies in letting people go free. Your freedom lies in saying, you know what, I'm not going to hold that against you. And, and, and that is where we are going to be delivered. That is where we are going to be set free. So how do we stir up the love of God, which has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you some practical handles tonight. If we're going to stir ourselves up in this love that is on the inside of us, if you've made Jesus Lord, and if you haven't, we're going to give you that opportunity tonight. I encourage you as a believer to reflect back to the day that you made Jesus Lord and Master of your life. 
reflect back to your life in those B.C. days before Jesus was in the picture. Reflect back when the weight of the sin and the world was on your shoulders and it was too big a burden to bear and it was almost to the point of crushing you. And all you could feel was guilt, shame, and condemnation and the constant haunting of that sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Thank God he made a way for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So there is a price for sin, but Jesus paid it. That's the good news about the gospel. See, he doesn't just correct us, but he redirects us. He gets us on the path to life. Think about this, guys. If, if some, is somebody doing you a disservice if you were over here, you know, wandering around in darkness? You're blinded to the truth because you don't know Christ. And you're on the edge of a cliff. Would I be a, be a very good friend to just stand over here and keep silent while you've got your toes on the edge and don't even know it? That's what happens with the believers. They are blinded to the truth. So don't get upset with sinners because they're of their master, the devil. Don't, don't be surprised. Don't be offended. Don't be bothered by that. But would I be doing them any service at all by leaving them on the edge? Or would I say, hey, man, the road you're on is leading to death. You're heading down a dark and dreary path, and, 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 and there's a better way. I tell you what, if that was an actual, literal situation there, and, I, and you were to swoop in and get that person, I tell you what, they would be thankful. They would be saying, thank you for rescuing me. But how much worse in the eternal realm when it comes when people's lives are weighing in the balance between heaven and hell and yet we are remaining silent and allowing them to just go into darkness and eternal damnation because we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to step outside of our comfort zone. We, we allow the fear of man to trump the fear of God. I tell you what, we need to lay aside the fear of man and say, I'm going to rise up boldly in the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord will actually govern your life. It is packed in Proverbs. Wisdom, the, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's another message in itself. But, but we need to reflect back to those days we don't need to live there, but I think it's a healthy, sobering thing to look back because we can quickly become self-righteous in our, in our new life in Christ and begin to forget about what he redeemed us from. My testimony, many of you know it, but I was led going down a dark road in a hurry. I was living hard and fast from the 15 to 22, you know, uh, some of the stuff that I, I probably wouldn't share a lot of it publicly, but from, from drugs and alcohol to everything that you would put on the table that I would take, I was afraid to live and I was afraid to die. I didn't want to go on another day. I was having relationship after relationship that was just leaving me empty and dissatisfied. This world, I was tasting everything it had to offer, and I would always come up empty and bankrupt. 
and I came to a place where it's like, you know what? I, I'm cutting up lines of Coke on the table. I'm drinking like a fish at a friend's party. Something on the inside rose up and said, separate yourself from all of this chaos and go to a room by yourself. I got up from that table, found a room by myself, and collapsed to the floor. And I said, Jesus, if you're real, take my life and do something with it. Within two weeks, my best friend called me up out of the blue and said, bro, you ready to get right? You've been playing with fire for too long. And it's only the mercy of God that's kept you here. And it's good for me to look back. Because the love of Christ compels me. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who think they're righteous. But I come for those who know they're sick. If it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be today? And let me just say this. For those of you, and I know people in this room say, Terry, I don't have a testimony like that. It doesn't matter. We are all sinners that have fallen short of the glory of God. And without Christ, you're going to the same hell that I'm going to. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I I know Pastor Sterling Tony, and I'm sure others... Say, you know what, I've been pretty straight-laced. You know what, without Christ, you're still in trouble. So it doesn't matter if Christ isn't sitting on the throne of your heart. You're walking on thin ice. So how do we stir up the love? Reflect back and feed on his faithfulness in your life. This is good stuff. I just want to paraphrase a little bit the story in Luke chapter 7, verse 47 and 48. I'm going to read that. But this is the story of Jesus sitting at having a meal with a Pharisee. Um, I would venture to say a holier than thou kind of guy, a religious leader. And an immoral woman came in and uh, took a... uh, an alabaster jar of expensive perfume that scholars say would be worth about of a year's wages and broke it at the feet of Jesus and said, I'm anointing you for your burial and then began to fall at his feet crying, washing his feet with her hair And, and, and Jesus sitting there, and, and, and when you read the scripture, it's funny because Jesus perceived the thoughts of the Pharisee. He didn't even say it because this guy's saying, well, if you were a prophet, you would know what kind of woman this is. And basically, Jesus called him out and said, I know your thoughts. And they're corrupt. And then it goes on to say in Luke 7 47 and 48 Jesus wraps up the story he says I tell you her sins and they are many have been forgiven so she has shown me much love but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love then Jesus said to the woman your sins are forgiven 
To whom has been forgiven much loves much. When you recognize the gravity of God's love and mercy towards you and how much you've been forgiven of, you would love much. You wouldn't be chintzy with God's love towards others because you know how much you've been forgiven, just like that woman. The Bible says that the measure in which you measure out, that's what's going to be measured back to you. I don't know about you. (laughs) We're going to reap what we sow. And if you're sowing discord, if you're sowing bitterness and unforgiveness, you're heaping judgment on yourself. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You can go free. I've given you the choice. I I use this scripture a lot in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. But I'm pleading with you, please choose life. Choose the blessing. The choice is yours. Choose. Choose the better life. See, God didn't create robots. He gave us a free will. That's, wh- that's a big part of why our world's messed up. Satan is the god of this world. And for a short time, and his time's running short, he's running out. His clock is ticking. But we live on an earth with a curse. And sometimes that curse can get in if we let it. And we have free will. We have choice to make. Are we going to stay under the protection and provision? I like to read Psalms 91. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty shall have protection. Though 10,000 may fall at my side, none's going to come near me. I tell you what, in this corrupt, fallen world, if we stay with God, he's saying, I got you under my wing. You can come sit up in daddy's lap. I got your back. But we got to make the choice. We got to make that decision. So what are we measuring out? Are we sowing seeds of grace and mercy? Are we looking back and saying, man, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be in a world of hurt? As that song was being sung earlier, love is our firm foundation. Love is what we build our life upon. And and next sermon, I'll, I'll, I'll get more into some other things on this subject but but love is our our foundation so as as jesus was saying we got to love the lord our god with all of our heart soul what time is it okay i'm doing all right mind and strength and then the second love our neighbor as we love ourselves now i just want to camp out there for a minute love our neighbor as ourselves This is probably the biggest struggle if we are honest with ourselves. We cannot give what we do not have. Now, that love is in us, but it can lie dormant. Just like the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, are irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind concerning his plans and purposes for your life. But as I talked about last time, that fear can cause the gifts of God to lie dormant in us. The love of God can lie dormant in us as well. If we are caught up in bitterness and offense and unforgiveness, we're, we're giving a snare to the enemy and, and a foothold 
to where he said, I got her, I got him now. There is freedom in forgiveness. There is freedom in letting people off the hook. I, I pray this all the time. I say, Lord, I thank you that my skin is growing tougher and my heart is growing softer. Each and every day in Jesus' name. Because so many people at the expense of being hurt have become calloused and have become hard. And God can't work through that. He wants to, but you tie his hands. He says in, in, in uh, He says to David in the, in the Psalms, I will not reject a broken and contrite heart. When you come to God in your brokenness, he receives you. Don't be ashamed of the wounds in your life. I can lean towards being a perfectionist, so I struggle with this stuff. Not having my ducks in a row and... <laughs> but life is messy and once you finally get your ducks in a row another duck gets out a row <laughs> so just be at peace with that all right I, the OCD in me it drives me mad but I just got to get over it because life is not perfect down here and and, and none of us are and this is this is this is just a bonus for you when we hear that word perfect in the New Testament it's not perfect as we look at it in our English language. When God says, be perfect as I am perfect, be holy as I am holy, it's not perfection meaning flawless. It's meaning set apart. It's being, I, I, I am the bride and he is the groom and I am removing all of the idols. I am tearing down things on the throne of my heart that ought not to be there and I'm saying Jesus you are Lord and master of my life you're in charge sir perfection in the New Testament for the believer God is looking for progress not perfection putting one foot in front of the other it's not about perfection it's about progress so don't get hung up on that word perfection don't get hung up on that word holiness because all that really is, is I'm pressing into intimacy with my Father. I'm spending time in the secret place of the Most High. I'm endeavoring to put Jesus first every day. You know, God's not as hard to please as you might think. And you're doing better than you think you are. And your Father is a lot more proud of you than you think he is. You are doing better than you think you are. So we got to stir it up. We got to renew our minds to the love of God on the inside of us. The only way that we can do this is getting into God's word. Casey Treat made this statement, I love it, that the word of God needs to be the highest level of truth and reality in our lives. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are believing the lies of the enemy, that is your reality, even though it is not truth. 
It is what you are experiencing. And so many are experiencing hell on earth because they are embracing a lie of the enemy because they are not putting the truth of God's word in their heart. The only antidote for lies is truth. The only antidote for darkness is light. The only antidote for sickness is healing. And it's found in the name of Jesus. It's found in the word of God. Thank God for medical science. And like great Pastor Greg was saying, we're all for that. And, And, you know, when we take our medicine, take it in faith. Take it in Jesus' name. But God's got even better for you, and sometimes it's progressive. Sometimes healing is often progressive. But renewing our minds to God's love for us. We need to understand in a greater measure of God's love for you. Not for other people, for you. As an individual, you need to understand that when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He saw down through the generations. He saw down through the centuries. And he saw your face. He said, even when you were being knit together in your mother's womb, I knew you. And had a plan and a purpose for your life. I already wrote out the storybook for your life. You are God's masterpiece, recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, to do what he's called you to do. He's numbered every hair on your head, and for most of us, that's a running count. (laughs) You are the apple of his eye. I got just a couple scriptures. In Psalms 103, you could just take Psalms 103 and just camp out there for days. But here's just a couple. Renewing our minds for God's love towards us. If we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, that's why people are so stuck. Because hurt people hurt people. And if you are hurting and you are broken, you will only be a distributor and a dispenser of what you have. And so if you are broken, you're just going to disperse more brokenness. And until you really get a grasp on the love of God, it is the love of God that is going to cause the power and the anointing of God to flow into your life and to bring restoration for your heart, for your soul, for your body, for your mind. Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, he casts our sins from us. He casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. See, God is so quick to forgive. When you come to him in genuine repentance, not because I'm mad because I got caught, but genuinely mad because I missed the mark. All you got to say, Lord, forgive me. Help me get back on track. He just scoops you right up. He's not asking for a, a, a cry. He's not asking for, well, you know, if you feel bad, I'm going to make you feel bad for a couple weeks, and then maybe I'll think about forgiving you. God ain't that way. Unfortunately, we are. Hello. We got to let that go. We got to let that go, and that's why we got to get his word engrafted in our hearts. I like that scripture that says that the love of Christ abides in me richly. And until the love of Christ abides in us richly, 
we are not going to be very good representatives for the kingdom of God. The Bible says it is the love of God that leads to repentance. The only way that the world is going to know that we are his disciples is by our love for one another. And so it is that love that makes the difference. And then in that same chapter, Psalms 103, 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You know, the Gospels, and I like what uh, Joe was saying about, you know, the, the ministry of Jesus and going through the, his miracles and healings. You know, the life of Jesus and the, the ministry of Jesus um, I, I, I cross-referenced this, and I did a study, and there's at least five scriptures that say that Jesus was moved with compassion. And then it was, it was that compassion. The love, compassion is God's love in action. Compassion is, be, is God's love in demonstration and in action. Love is an action word. It's not a passive word. It is a verb. There is a doing. It's not just lip service. See, we can, we can throw words around, but it's our actions towards people that speak volumes. You know, our, our, our actions th- th- is really, you know, that is going to make an impact in people's lives. So Jesus, man, you know, when we look at his life, when we look at his ministry, you know, he, he went about doing good. I like what Acts uh, 10.38 says. It's how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. You know, John 10.10, too, really settles the score, really simplifies this thing. It is the thief that cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I like what the Amplified says, till it actually runs over, till it overflows. So it's pretty clear, it's pretty evident, it's the thief that comes. It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's Jesus that comes. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See, Jesus was moved with compassion. I think about that scripture when, you know, in his day, leprosy was was running rampant. And they were literally isolated and ostracized from society. They, they were totally, you know, kept at distance. People didn't even want to come near them. But because of the love of God in Jesus, being moved with compassion. See, he could have just reached out and said, be healed. But he was deliberate. He was intentional when he put his hand on that man. I tell you what, the love of Christ will compel you to do those things. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it is the love of God that casts out fear. And we'll be getting into that next time. But Jesus was moved with compassion. This comes to mind. Uh, In the 1950s, 60s, 70s, Oral Roberts had one of the most dynamic healing ministries to this day. Some of you have heard of Oral Roberts, but he did tent meetings and, and ministered to people all over the world and saw people healed of just about everything. 
I mean, there were wheelchairs and canes and all kinds of stuff dropped at the altar at his meetings. And he would come up to people with diseases that were in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, contagious. And without fear, being moved with compassion, would wrap his arms around these people. Not like, ooh, cooties, I, I don't know. The love of God takes self out of the equation and says, what would Jesus do? And he would embrace these people with the love of God. And with the power of love, healing would reign. Healing would rain down. And people would be touched in their bodies and their hearts transformed. It is the love of God that leads people to repentance. It is the love of God in action. That is the essence of the gospel. Man, I'm doing pretty good on time. We look in 725. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to wrap. Well, I'm, I'm almost there. <clears throat> but I do want to lay these points here. The love of God is multifaceted. It is like an onion that you can just peel back layers of revelation. The love of God is not some shallow thing like some of the other loves that we talked about just briefly. Natural human love is pretty shallow. But the depths of God's love is, you couldn't reach the depths of how far, how wide, how deep the love of God is. It's multifaceted. It has layers to it. You know, um, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is love in demonstration when he walked the earth. You know, the Lord showed me this, and I think it's pretty cool. But love is both bold and gentle. Love is both bold and gentle. Sometimes people think, you know, if I walk in love, people are just going to railroad me. Let me tell you what, there is strength in love. There is strength in an individual that can bite their tongue and walk away when they want to slap somebody silly. Anybody can lash out in anger. There's no self-control in that. But it takes true love and genuine strength through the power of God to bite our tongues, to let stuff go. That's where the freedom's at. That's where the freedom's at. So Jesus is as bold as for he is the Lion of Judah. Proverbs says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. So there is power, there is boldness when we walk in the love of God. We're, we're, we can have confidence on the day of judgment because we know of God's love towards us. There'll be no fear on judgment day for those who have put their confidence in the love of God. There is no fear on that day. In fact, he's just going to be handing out rewards to those who are faithful. Are you going to be faithful to what God's called you to do? So being bold, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, is bold. But Jesus is also gentle as the Lamb of God. 
He's bold as a lion and gentle as a lamb. You know, we think about some examples that he would say to the Pharisees. He would he would correct them. He would call them out. And you'd think, man, some of the stuff that he would say to brought of vipers and just, you know, almost like he's cursing at them. You know, and he would call them out. And it seems almost harsh. But see, Jesus, being motivated by love, can see the condition of their heart and how hard and how religiously brainwashed these Pharisees are. And he knows that the only way I'm going to get through to these callous heart people is shaking up the tree a little bit. Sometimes we got to shake up the tree. Sometimes we got to ruffle the feathers a little bit to get people's eyes open to the truth. So Jesus didn't shy away from confront confrontation and being bold and direct with people when he needed to be. He was very bold and direct when it came to casting out devils. I could only imagine the dude in the in the tombs. It's all chained up and acting like a wild man. You know, other people were, you know, keeping it at a distance. Jesus saw past that. And he saw a man that needed deliverance. He saw a man that needed freedom. He was not moved by fear of this demon. Come on over here. I know nobody else wants to talk to you. Get out. He said, well, we don't want to. Nevertheless, at your word, Jesus has given you that authority to use his name to use that authority that he's given you to cast out devils, to put fear on the run. We are his hands and feet in the earth. He ain't, he, everything that Jesus, when he said it is finished, it was finished. He's handed us the keys to the kingdom. He's handed us his word and his spirit on the inside. Now it's time for us to be co-laborers together with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to do it for us. He's going to help us. He's going to come alongside us, but he ain't going to do it for us. He's our helper. So Jesus was bold as the Lion of Judah, but he was thinking about the man. He, he wanted the man free, and he didn't let the fear of the demon get in the way of that. Um, Matthew 7, 28 and 29 talks about the authority of Jesus. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes or the other religious leaders. So Jesus had authority. He had boldness as the Lion of Judah, but it was always the love of Christ that motivated him. Gentle as a lamb, the, the little children, uh, I, I'm not going to read it, but in Matthew, or Mark chapter 10, the children were coming to Jesus. You think about him in this other atmosphere casting out demons, but then over here sitting, you know, on the ground and little, ki little children coming up and the disciples trying to get away and him actually rebuking the disciples and saying, no, let them come to me. Because these kids could sense the love of God within Jesus. Kids have that sensitivity to know when somebody's bad and when somebody's good. That's Jesus being gentle as a lamb with those children. And he, he went on to say, if you don't come like a little child, you won't be enter, entering the kingdom. 
And then ultimately Jesus going to the cross and laying down his life. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. There's no greater love, love than that. So my last scripture, Ephesians 4, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. I, I, this is something so critical that I couldn't, I'd be doing you guys a disservice to not finish out with this. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. In other words, when we are speaking the truth in love, we could bring a word of conviction and passion and boldness like Jesus did to an individual. And as long as our heart is right and motivated by the love of God, it can be received by the individual. When we, when we, when the, when, when we take truth and allow it to be saturated in the love of God, it's the love of God that leads people to repentance. And truth saturated in love even a strong word. Love's correction can be received. Because we know it's for our good and not for our detriment. But yet, how many of us know people out there proclaiming so-called truth under an attitude of holier than thou, I'm, I'm better than you, and condemnation and and, and talking down to people and slapping people in the face with scriptures, but that they're not examining their own lives. That is bringing destruction to the body of Christ when we don't marry love and truth together. We need to marry the two together. It's not one or the other. It's both and. When we speak simply words of love without truth, it is anemic and powerless. When we speak truth without love, it just brings condemnation, guilt, and shame and sets nobody free. It's not always what we say, but how we say it. It's the tone in which we speak. It's the tone of our voice. Some of us need to check up on how we present things to people, especially when it comes to difficult conversations. We need to first make sure our heart and our, the condition of our heart is in line with God and that our intent towards them is for good and not for harm so that when we speak to them, they can see it in our eyes, they can hear it in our tone. And it, even a hard word can then be well received. There's a vast difference between offending someone and being offensive. Because Jesus offended people, the truth will offend people in the world. And don't be discouraged by that, because it's going to happen. That's where persecution comes from. People don't like truth. They want to stay in the lives of this world. They want to create their own gods that accommodate their own lifestyle. So, so don't, don't think that because you offend somebody, you've done something wrong. Just make sure that the motivation of your heart is always backed by love. When I was at Rama, I had a class called Caring for People God's Way. The last little practical application I want to give you. 
um, in this class, Caring for People God's Way, our instructor would take uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified. And we would read that verse every day in class. I'm thinking, dear God, I'm. She's like, we're going to do it again. Really? <laughs> you know? But see, a lot of that is our unrenewed mind and our flesh giving us resistance. But you stick with the word long enough and keep putting it in you, your feelings will catch up with it. Your feelings will follow your obedience. Your feelings will follow you being a doer of the word in spite of how you feel. Because love is not a feeling, but feelings do follow our obedience. Feelings do follow our faith. So taking that scripture, I'm leaving you with that and I'm done. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Amplified. And I encourage you to take where it says love in there and put your name in there. Because love lives on the inside of you. God lives in you. His love is in you. You're, you're not God, but you are a carrier of him. And so when you take that scripture and say, I endure long with patience and serenity. I am kind and thoughtful. I am not jealous or envious. I, I do not brag and I'm not proud or arrogant. I'm not rude. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not easily provoked. Nor am I overly sensitive and easily angered. I do not take account of wrongs done to me. I bear up under all things regardless of what comes. I believe all things looking for the best in each one or each person, you could say. Hopes, I hope all things remaining steadfast during difficult times. I endure all things without weakening. I never fail. See, love never fails. And when we put God first in our lives, we can't, we can't lose. As long as we don't quit, we may be knocked down, but we're never knocked out. And God's always there to pick us back up again. Amen? Amen. Well, let's, uh, why don't we just bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're here tonight and you're saying, Terry, you know, I, I haven't made Jesus Lord of my life. I don't have that God kind of love living on the inside of me. I tell you what, there's no time like the present. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. If you're saying, Terry, I need to make that commitment. This is the greatest decision of your life. Don't hesitate. Don't let fear or pride get in the way. We've all been there where we've had to make that decision. If you're saying, Terry, I need Christ. I need that love in my life. I need freedom. I need healing. I need purpose. I need destiny. I tell you what, it's all wrapped up in Christ. Just lift your hand up to heaven. Say, Terry, pray with me. I need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I see your hand. God sees your heart. Well, church, let's pray this prayer with him. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died for me and rose again on the third day. Lord Jesus, 
take my life and do something with it. You're in charge, sir. I make you Lord and Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And last but not least, if you're saying, Terry, that love's been lying dormant in me. I need to stir it up. I'm being convicted. I need to stir up the love of God on me. I need to remember where I'd be if it wasn't for Christ in my life, if it wasn't for his mercy and grace. I need that love which has been shed abroad in my heart to be stirred up. I believe that he wants to just revive that and and refill you with that love tonight, shower you in that love towards you so that then you can minister it to others. Why don't we all just lift our hands up? Why don't we all just lift our hands up? Because this is for all of us. Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for showering down your love upon us, that your love, that the revelation of your love become a greater reality in our lives. How far, how wide, how deep the love of God is towards us. Lord, we receive that love. We receive you. And Lord, I thank you for special grace to walk in that divine love each and every day. To receive it for ourselves so that we can be dispensers of that love to others. So that we can minister to you with that love. That we can worship you in spirit and in truth because the love of God in us is driving us to seek you, to worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that love is being awakened in this room right now. That love is being revived in us right now. That we're letting people go. Forgiveness is being freely given right now. Forgiveness, offenses, the bait of Satan, I ain't biting on that. Satan, return to sender. I ain't biting on that. I'm staying in love because that's where freedom is. Those walls of separation are coming down as you letting that thing go. And he's saying, son and daughter, you can enter into the Holy of Holies, into my very presence, into my very throne room as you lay those things down. Some of you are going to experience the presence, the manifest presence of God in a way that you've never known before. There's going to be a tangible, manifest presence. Some of you are saying, God, where are you? He's going to manifest himself to you. He's manifesting himself to you. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty in his presence. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the presence of God. That wall of separation is coming down. And you are entering into a new realm of intimacy with your Heavenly Father. From this day forward, I declare it over your life now. In Jesus' name, amen.